Right, it's uh, 9.05 here on SCNZ in the mornings, and uh, my first guest uh, today is uh, Andrew Butcher-Castles. Everyone knows uh, Butch, of course, he's uh, been part of the uh, racing setup here on SENZ. He's been a radio host on other stations, and uh, these days he's, uh, of course, the CEO of uh, the Waikato Racing Club at uh, Tarapa, not too far from here as the crow flies. But today he has uh, something else in mind. And um, Butch, good morning. Welcome to the show. Um, Hawks Bay. We're helping Hawks Bay today? Yeah, we sure are, Smithy. Look, firstly, thanks uh, to you for making the effort to come up. Thanks to SENZ for facilitating it and, and making sure that it could happen. Look, we've had wonderful support. Uh, Ross Taylor and I were having one of our mints on toast breakfasts, <laughs> and uh, we were talking about the devastation in Hawke's Bay and how we could try and make a little bit of a difference and came up with a golf tournament. Uh, been staggered with the support just from pretty much everyone we asked to be involved. We've uh, got 22 teams playing today, Ambrose style, uh, and we're raising money for the Hawke's Bay Foundation. We, we decided that that was a, a really good cause. They're doing some wonderful work in the community, and I know you're catching up with Amy uh, during the course of your show just to, uh, just to get a gauge on where they're spending the money and, and just what difference they are making. Well you have of course a Hawke's Bay connection yourself personally uh, and Ross has had many many fine performances on McLean Park so there's a bit of an affinity there. Yeah there sure is and, and, and that's what I suppose it, it came down to. Look Ross ostensibly a CD boy isn't he? Yes he lives in Hamilton but uh, grew up in the Wairarapa and, and as you say played a lot, a lot of cricket uh, at McLean Park Napier and I'm sure at Nelson Park uh, over his formative years as well and, and we just decided that we had to try and do something. Um, Hawke's Bay is home to me. I went to school in Hawke's Bay. I took the opportunity of moving back to Hawke's Bay Racing uh, to, to, to learn uh, how to be a CEO and, and had a wonderful four years back in the Bay, uh, reacquainting myself with, with friends. And the devastation uh, out of Hawke's Bay was um, you know, just stark. And, and it's interesting to hear you talk about the S Valley. Uh, that's probably the, the area that we most know about. But I had a very dear friend in Parkawai, live close to the Parkawai store, and uh, he was wiped out. And uh, to see some of the photos of his place and to understand the anguish and the, the, the heartbreak that him and his family are going through, it was it was a no-brainer that we needed to do something. And it's come together really well. Look, hopefully this fog lifts and we can see who's out there playing golf. But um, looking forward to the day. Well, you spared no expense. There's a guy with uh, a weed blower out there blowing <laughs> the fog away. It's unbelievable. So you've, uh, you, you, haven't, you haven't cut back. Uh, let's uh, talk about uh, the day itself. What is that present? You talked about the 22 teams. What's involved? Yeah, so 22 teams, Ambrose uh, tournament. So we'll start them all around the course. Um, we've got things happening. We've got a... The uh, Dunstan horse feeds are doing an oyster bar on uh, hole three, Ooh, so God. I'm picking when you've finished, you might jump in the platinum rental golf cart that um, Leith and Jess have uh, kindly put on for us and we'll head down there and have an oyster or two. Uh, we've got uh, Aber Living, uh, Greg Brown and his team have been fantastic, they've got a team playing, they've given us some prizes for the golf but also doing a smoked meats and barbecue hole on the uh, 13th, so that might get us as well. Um, we've got some golf carts uh, sneaking around, or a golf cart uh, with some Asahi beverages who, who have come on board um, uh, 
Carl Davis uh, team, who's the big real estate agent up here in the uh, for Bailey's country. Uh, they're doing a, a bit of a, a haggle on the 14th to win some of his uh, world famous uh, um, chili bins. And at TAB, you talked about uh, Paul Moati and Thaddeus Taylor being here. Um, they, TAB uh, very kindly have uh, come up with a big bet on the last, so you pay uh, some money, uh, go uh, get it inside the circle on the 18th, and you uh, in the draw for an $1,000 bet. They've also provided some prizes. So Look, Ross and I lent on a lot of our contacts, a lot of our friends uh, for some prizes, support, and, and we've just been staggered with the support. We uh, will be talking, folks, to uh, Ross Taylor just after 11 o'clock this morning, and um, as a great maiden cricket, of course, Martin Gupt also. Uh, they'll be part of uh, the 11 o'clock hour, and uh, Cameron George is going to uh, take the seat as well, of course. There's a bit going on. You know Cameron very well as well um, through the racing side of things, Butch, and uh, the CEO, of course, of the Warriors, so... It's been pretty good for the Warriors. You've been to a couple of games. Yeah, been uh, fantastic. Uh, we went along and um, went uh, watched them beat the Bulldogs. We watched them uh, go down to the Roosters and heading to Hawke's Bay. I can't wait to get down there. Not to see the devastation in the Esk Valley, but to be part of the Warriors going to McLean Park Napier against the Broncos. It sounds like they're going to get close to a sellout, um, which is which is great to uh, to have a league in Hawke's Bay of that calibre. Uh, great to have an event of that calibre in Hawke's Bay, and I know a lot of my friends in the Bay are heading along and looking forward to, to heading along as well. So, yeah, Camo's come on board. He's put up a, an auction item for us. We've got a, a small auction later on uh, to host some people in the box at... Um, What's it called now? Um, Go, Go Media. Go Media. Yeah. Go Mount Media, Smart, Mount yeah. Smart. So uh, for one of the home games, um, Cameron's got a team uh, here as well playing golf. And, uh, yeah, look, he's um, only too too happy to ha- help, as have so many people been. But you uh, obviously have to tap into the, the local uh, market here in the Waikato. Is it vibrant at the moment? I mean, sporting-wise, Chiefs are going great. Um, you know, it's a, it's a great feel about the sport up here. They've always had uh, terrific cricket grounds and uh, competitive cricket teams as such. Uh, what about the business sector, etc.? Just back to the sport thing. Interestingly, we, we race at Tarapa on Saturday, and it's a it's not a huge race day in comparison to the derbies and the like, but it is Dunstan Day Out, where uh, Dunstan Horse Feeds get all their suppliers uh, to, to jump on board and, and have a day out with them. But... With the Chiefs playing uh, the Hurricanes that night, I've had three groups of, of guys coming from different parts of the country that are going to come to the races and then go to the rugby. So so the old uh, rugby racing and beer vernacular is still uh, part of, of New Zealand uh, life. So, you know, they're, they're different size groups. I think there's a group of a dozen, eight and six. Uh, there'll be others that haven't rung, mm. so, so they'll be making a day of it. Uh, the business community, look, we're lucky here in the Waikato. We've got a very diverse uh, business sector. Obviously, uh, agriculture plays a huge part in it. The dairy industry, a massive part of it. Again, just an anecdote, um, Fonterra are, are big around here and they um, have used uh, our um, facilities for uh, different conferencing and, and things. So so all of those uh, things uh, add up. Um, look, like everywhere, uh, cost of living, uh, increase in interest payments, all of those things will, will have an effect. But uh, the Waikato is a great place to live. It's very close to Auckland, um, not far to Taupo. It's, it's a good central spot. Uh, we found the mount. I'd never had anything to do with the mountain until uh, moved here and it's that's not far either so you know enjoy living here it's uh, it's a great place and, and people have been extremely welcoming and as you'll see from today with the support of so many local businesses it's it's fantastic 
Which the racing uh, industry side of things, I mean, this has become, without Ellerslie, of course, you've become very busy. Uh, you know, you've had extra volume of, of races, um, you know, which means you have to tap into that market time and time again, as I, I've been talking about. But um, Ellerslie, um, we understand, is uh, on the way. Uh, it might be a little bit longer, perhaps, than they perhaps forecast, which means more back on you, I, I assume. Um, what about getting people to races these days? I mean, that, that's hard. it's a part of your job. You, you, you've got to... Um, represent the product, market the product, bring people in, uh, getting easier, getting harder? I would say, look, it's, I know it's bizarre to say, but it's possibly not getting too much harder on the days like Sky City Hamilton Waikato Cup Day. Mm. Um, it was um, interesting this year. We had to have New Year's Day for the first time and uh, Derby Day for uh, the first time, ATR New Zealand Derby Day. And, and that was an interesting uh, project. To, to launch those into a market where they hadn't been before. Sky City Hamilton Waikato Cup Day continues to grow and get bigger and bigger. The demand's there. The smaller days are really difficult. Um, it's it's harder probably to get people to those days. And I think it's about picking those events and making sure that, um, that we really put uh, an enormous amount of effort into uh, those days and maximising the returns uh, like and NZTR have, have come up with the Grand Tour concept they've, they've grouped 20 of the key race days around the country under one umbrella and I think that's um, that's a concept that will continue to grow and uh, and be refined and work well We're only a stone's throw away from uh, Cambridge of course of, mm. uh, and Maramara as well uh, which traditionally are the home of uh, I sent, I guess, the, the guts of the training of horses in the North Island anyway, Butch. Um, and um, it's important it has to work in this area. I mean, you have to make it work in this area. It's it, it vital that it works here. And, and uh, it's... Cambridge is a really big training centre. We saw uh, Synthetic uh, racing there yesterday, the first of every sort of second Wednesday now, right through till nearly October, that we, we race on the Synthetic up here, and it serves a real purpose at this time of year. Horses that probably wouldn't be in work stay in work to run on the Synthetic. Um, it allows uh, those horses that don't want to race on heavy tracks uh, to, to get the opportunity through this time of year to run. Uh, matter matter, a big training centre as well. Many people in this area derive their livelihoods from the thoroughbred industry, whether it be a, a trainer, a stable hand, jockeys, uh, but also the breeding industry as well, massive through the, the Waikato. And it's incumbent uh, on us uh, or everyone involved in, in thoroughbred racing to make uh, it as good as it can be in this area. So so we certainly um, don't shirk from those uh, responsibilities. It's been um, a really busy time with those Ellerslie meetings. Uh, all reports are that they are on track to be back there early January and then running the Caracamillion Million meeting uh, there as well. Mm. So so that would be fantastic to be back there for Caracamillion. Um, the Caracamillion couldn't have got, got a lot better for me this year, but uh, yes. it'll be great great to be back at Ellerslie. Well, see uh, Louis Herman Watt down <laughs> rubbing his hands together down there uh, in our Christchurch studio. studio. Um, Marina, to you, uh, Louis, yes, uh, and uh, Butcher tells me last night, Louis, that uh, uh, Tokyo Tycoon, back in work. Yeah, back in work. I think he went back to the stable yesterday uh, or the day before the report uh, came through. So so exciting. Looking forward uh, to that. Of course, uh, highly likely, well, it'll be a fait accompli. He's going to lose that race uh, out of uh, the Group 1. But, um, you know, you move on and hopefully he can show how good he is as a three-year-old and uh, annex another Group 1 to uh, to add uh, to the great uh, record of Satono Aladdin. Butcher, uh, morning to you. Smithy, great to see you there in Hamilton. You guys are doing a great job pumping up the Waikato here. Now, is there a chance that Tokyo Tycoon, what, when, what distance do you see him getting to? Is there a chance I'd see him down my way early spring, Butch? 
I, I suppose so. I don't know. Um, he'll get to a mile. I, I think um, talking with Opie after that race, he, he said he just relaxes. And, um, you know, I've obviously uh, so many horses uh, come up differently and he came up early. It'll be a matter of uh, a lot of three-year-olds, whether they've caught up to him, how well he's spelled. Um, but, yes, with a horse like him, you'd have to aim pretty high to start with. Louis, mm. I noticed that the glasses haven't turned up, which was looking at your, <laughs> having a look at your new look. What's happened there? Well... No, the glasses didn't turn up. Um, no, no glasses, Smithy. I went back, I've reloaded on some new glasses and with the help with some insurance. And it, they tell me it's a 10 working day situation. So, yeah, yeah, we're flying blind still for another probably eight days or so. So just hanging in there, hanging on the back of the speedboat. Okay, um, right. you got races today um, down there, and Synthetic, yes? Yes. Yes, we do. Bigfield's Butch just talking about the synthetic up there, and obviously the CDs uh, got their synthetic as well. And um, reckoning, I went along a couple of Thursdays ago. I was shocked with the crowd that turned up in a good way because I just assumed that it would be quiet like most midweek meetings were, but it was the first, I think it was the first synthetic meeting that I had down here this season. And it was a nice day. People turned up because you know what you're going to get from the track. And today they've actually got a bunch of $30,000 races um, going around and some, some nice higher rating uh, handicaps, including race eight, which is the Martin Collins handicap, $35,000 rating 87. There's actually decent horses going around today, which is pretty exciting. So I'm sure we can find something, Smithy. And uh, just uh, on a little uh, precursor to the rest of the show, you've uh, arranged um, out of the Crusaders, uh, Tamati Allison for us this morning? I have. We have got Tamati Allison because I thought the Crusaders' defence was very interesting over the weekend as to how intense it was, and that'll be the backbone of their run home for the title from here, I would suspect. And Tamati, of course, well, when you talk Super Rugby, he'd coach rumours, and this morning news coming out that Chris... Gibbs is moving back to the Waikato. He's going back to Te Aumuru. He doesn't want a head coaching job. We'll ask Tamari if he l- likes one. He likes the idea of one. I don't know if we- whether he'll answer, but we can ask him, Smithy. It'll be interesting, won't it? He's taking over the head coaching job of the Wellington NPC side, so uh, whether there's a, a natural segue there. He's pretty new in his coaching career as well, I suppose, to, uh, to assume a head coach role, but... The rugby union are going to be searching, aren't they? They are uh, going to be looking. Well, definitely three, possibly five. Mm. Uh, I mean, it could be five. It could be Clayton McMillan, the, the man who's doing such a great job here, Butch, uh, with the Chiefs. Um, he has re-signed uh, up here as well, um, which is great news in terms of continuity. But um, as I said before, um, those Chiefs going real good. Yeah, they are. They've they're been lucky enough to go along a couple of times. Uh, to, it went to the Crusaders game, actually, and that was a fantastic game of rugby. Uh, it was great to see a sellout crowd. Uh, we went earlier in the season to the Blues game, and there might have only been ten or 11,000 there, and thought, mm, gee, is it in trouble? But when they keep winning, it's incredible what that winning does, doesn't it? And Look, I'd be surprised if it wasn't close to a sellout uh, for Hurricanes game on Saturday night, as long as the weather plays its part. But, um, yeah, they're flying. They're going really, really well, the Chiefs, and uh, they've got a great culture. They've got um, you know some people that uh, get into the community and do a whole lot of stuff. And expecting, I know the busy training day today, but expecting a couple of them to turn up later on for the for the um, festivities upstairs. Hope so, uh, Andrew. Um, you've got plenty to do. I see um, Ross Taylor's uh, running around with all sorts of uh, stuff doing. 
uh, work, maintenance work around the course. We'll catch up with him uh, just after 11. Oh, no, he's not. He's got another cup of coffee in his hand <laughs> as he walks past. <laughs> and so we'll talk to Ross after 11 o'clock. Uh, his great mate uh, Martin Guptill's uh, coming down to play. I understand Tim Seifert, too, uh, from the Black Caps has uh, taken. So it's a good cricket present here today. We'll tap into that. Um, and uh, after that, uh, we shall... Um, join the social side of it and the administrative side of it myself Butch have a terrific day I mean I I can only say on behalf of Hawke's Bay and uh, I'm a resident there thank you so much Um, and I know it's going to be a very profitable day when I look at the raffle prizes I look at the auction items uh, I'm staggered absolutely Mm. staggered yeah it's it's very gratifying that we've had just amazing support as I say you know people have uh, 201 come in behind it and said this is a really good cause and I think just Getting a little bit removed from it as well, it's very easy to forget and uh, the Hooks Bay Foundation have put together a little video that we're going to play later on just to say, hey New Zealand, don't forget, we've still got some massive work to do here in the Bay and uh, and I suppose listening to you earlier driving through East Valley just uh, really brought it home, what a a devastated area it is. Yeah, it is. It is um, when you see um, buried houses still Mm. um, and and, uh, farms and orchards and that that, are unrecognisable, you've just got to feel for those people and uh, their future and that's what today is all about cheers man uh, thanks and uh, we'll catch up you later thanks later for coming on. up cheers, cheers. right uh, it is uh, coming up to 9.21 here on SENZ we'll have a pacing for Purpose Horse uh, after the short break and then uh, we'll uh, be catching up with Steve Hancock he's the head pro here at uh, the St Andrews Golf Course and um, yeah as I said there's a real tie with Stephen Alka tonight uh, because uh, he's playing in the PGA. Stephen Elka was uh, three times, the, f- the first three times they had the schoolboy championship here in Hamilton. It was won by Stephen Elka. Uh, and then, of course, uh, he won the club champs too, um, back, I think, in about 1987 uh, or 88. And uh, who won it after him? David Smale. Great history of golf here and terrific golfers. It is 9.22. We'll be back soon. The Good Oil. All the fun and tips for your Saturday afternoon. Live Saturdays from 1 on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, Pacing for Purpose, Season 2. Right, our Pacing for Purpose uh, horse is uh, tonight, Thursday night, uh, just down the road actually at Cambridge. Uh, It is race three, number 10, Ideal Dream. Should have won more than two from 16 so far in fine form of late, possesses a good sprint and despite the second row draw, can win. So uh, that's the oil on Ideal Dream, race three, number 10 tonight at Cambridge. And uh, at the moment, uh, we have $1,067.50, and that is, uh, of course, going towards um, Women's Refuge. Uh, We're doing uh, some real charity work uh, today with Women's Refuge, of course, but uh, the main reason is uh, that we're here. Uh, is of course uh, is to raise money for Hawke's Bay and uh, we'll be talking to a number of guests including uh, head pro here Steve Hancock uh, who is uh, going to join us uh, just after uh, 9.30 this morning Louis so yes um, we've got plenty going on here you certainly do, Smithy. Geez, Butch, um, he's running a, a busy cutter as he likes to do and it'll be great to catch up with Ross now I thought I heard Oyster Bar hole three was that, was that did I dream? was that is that what I heard? 
Well, it's a bad dream for you because you're not going to be part of it. So, uh, yeah, uh, and it's an actual fact. So there's, uh, there's a, a, an oyster hole uh, with an oyster bar with some uh, smoked meats and things as well, and then you, uh, there'll be refreshments around the course. Um, as you speak, uh, you know, people paid a lot of money, so uh, we've got to look after them, uh, Louis. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what we'll be doing throughout the course uh, of the, mo- the morning here, which is uh, it's a little foggy, but I will say it's lifting. Um, I'm staring at the first tee, and behind that is the 17th green, um, and I couldn't see them um, half an hour ago. So it's lifting. Uh, there will be people flying in as well, so let's hope uh, the airport's open, uh, particularly those guys from the TAB in uh, Wellington coming up north. So hopefully the airport out there will be a little clearer, and uh, they'll be able to get to here. So it's coming up to 9.30 here on SENZ. More from golf, and in particular with Steve Hancock after the break. Let's head to the news with Araha. 1476am in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. From 9 tonight on SENZ. Right, 9.31 here on uh, SCNZ in the morning. So we are at the St Andrews of Hamilton Golf Course. Uh, what a fine est- establishment it is. Uh, the weather is clearing all the time and we've got a big field of uh, 88 golfers coming to play in a charity golf tournament today. And uh, the host here, I guess you'd have to say, uh, is the, the head pro, uh, Steve Hancock, who joins us this morning. Uh, Steve, thanks for some time. No, you're welcome, Smithy. You'll have quite a few events like this throughout a calendar year. Uh, we do have uh, quite a few corporate um, events much like this um, that happen on a regular basis. But, I mean, we can't sort of like really hold too many, you could say, um, without disrupting the general membership for... Um, they're golfing and they play. Um, you don't want to get in the way of them too often. So uh, this, of course, is uh, for uh, Hawke's Bay Relief, Cyclone yes. Relief, and uh, very generously you've uh, pretty much donated the course today, free of charge. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, we sort of thought that it was a great cause um, between, well, Travis and I and the board um, here at Hamilton Golf Club, like a great thing that we can do in, as our part, really, to um, give back to sort of like the the relief fund, as it were, for the, the victims down in your your neck of the woods, as it were. It's a beautiful golf course. I've played it many times myself, um, but it has a rich history. Tell us a, a wee bit about the history of the golf course, uh, the membership size, etc. Um, so the golf course here has been occupied, this site, I think, since 1913. Um, so quite a quite a long history at, at this particular venue. Um, I guess there's been redevelopments take place of the course um, of recent and there's some work done with Greg Turner and our local head greenkeeper Grant um, that have just like tried to put their spin on reinvigorating the golf course to make it more playable for the general golfing public and that sort of thing um, and I guess since COVID times COVID's been really really good for golf mm-hmm. um, the fact that golf has spiked um, not only nationally in New Zealand, globally throughout the world as well, um, and we've certainly seen like the uptake and then the presence of it felt here. Um, I've been here for probably five years. When we when I first started, we probably were pushing like 580 members. Mm. Um, now we're this year, current year, with the people that have renewed, we're up to about 850. Wow! Yeah, so it's quite a growth. It is growth. That's a hell of a growth. I tell you, some yeah. r- rugby and cricket clubs wouldn't mind that kind wouldn't of growth. They just? I can promise you that. Yeah. Um, Steve, let's talk about um, the future then, uh, the the junior side of things, um, uh, junior programs, etc. I mean, this for instance, and we're going to talk about one of the very special. Gr- 
graduates out of Hamilton Boys High School very shortly. Totally. Um, but there's always been a good golf program around um, Hamilton. Yeah, and I mean, that's sort of like something. I mean, golf is at a junior level is like your roots and where you sort of like start. Um, I guess like it isn't what it used to be like back in the days when like I grew up playing golf. Ah, oh, it's probably like 30 odd years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got the likes of, say, Smaley and all that crew that grew up playing here prior to me, although a few, gen- maybe a generation prior to me playing. But um, I mean, with what New Zealand golf have now, is they have aligned with the local associations. So with Waikato Golf here, um, we are involved in junior programs with what they call Futures. Mm-hmm. Um, so Futures is a great initiative to get. Um, kids involved in the sport, um, not only the children and but also the parents, which is really really cool. Is that like the first tee would it, in America or not? Yeah, I guess it's sort of like a break off of that. Um, I think first tee is probably something a little bit different. Whereas the New Zealand golf have seen a space here in order to try and get golf going as a junior level across the nation. So um, they've sort of like just done it through yeah the association. So it's Probably pretty similar, I guess. The The uptake of it um, is certainly yeah, pretty high as well. We've just got um, a massive, probably about, we started maybe with about 40 when it first kicked off, and now there's up to about 380, I think, in line with futures. I drove here this morning, right? So um, I know how to get here, but it, it's interesting. Sandwich. Yes. Sandwich is a golf course in the UK. Uh, glading. There's uh, yes. a street round here, of totally. course, the Glading name, Bob Glading, of course, uh, yes. Michael Glading, etc., who's still heavily involved in New Zealand golf. We turn into here, St Andrews. I mean, it's real golfing affiliation around this particular region. Yeah, I guess so, with sort of like probably having the golf course here, um, and then maybe just with the suburb that we sort of like lie in, um, it's probably renowned as the St Andrews suburb. Yeah. Um, so quite fitting to sort of like probably take on the St Andrews name um, with its long history with. Um, the Scots in Scotland mm. at, at the home um, at St Andrews and that sort of thing so yeah it, it fits with with our area and our location which is great Right let's uh, talk about um, Stephen Alka shall we? Stephen mm. Alka of course a product of Hamilton Boys High Yes. Um, and I was upstairs before just uh, checking out the facilities looking at the honours board etc and I noticed when you started up a schoolboy championship here Stephen Alka Won the first three. He did. Yeah. Amazing. How good. Yeah, how yeah. good is that? And then, of course, he won on, went on to win the club champs. The year after he won it, David Smale won. Yes. So we're talking ro- golfing royalty here, folks, in New Zealand. And uh, the reason why it's so apt that we're talking uh, about Stephen Elka now, of course, he's had such a great time of it in the last two oh, years. Sensational. And he's, uh, because of that, he's teeing it up in the PGA to, uh, yeah, in the I major. So yeah. tell us a wee bit about Stephen Elka and his connection with the club. Um, so Stevie, I guess he's sort of like um, been, he's resided with his um, past father, Bill, um, in the Hamilton area. I guess he's grown up in the Hamilton area as well. So, I mean, ever Bill was like a stalwart of probably the Narawahia Golf Club down the road. Um, but Stephen sort of like played here as a junior, um, whether that stemmed from um, Hamilton Boys High. I guess at that time you had a lot of not only Stevie himself, but you also had David Smale involved as well. He was also from Hamilton Boys High School also. Um, and then other like kids of that same age and era were um, just running around the traps, I guess, like we did as kids. Um, 
under the head pro here at the time, which is Brian Boyce. So right. yeah, Brian Boys. Now these are great amateur names. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So Boys, he also is um, like a, a. Well, I mean, he's a born and bred in Invercargill, down in the deep south. But he's sort of like come up and he played golf professionally on probably more in Australia and that sort of thing as a tour player um, before he resided um, here at the Hamilton Golf Club maybe in the early 80s perhaps as a club pro Um, and he did he must have been here for probably about 25 years so I guess under you'll see if you go up on in the golf club um, throughout the entrance way there is a, a history um, aisle that's been created of all the former history with what's where the Hamilton Golf Club has come about um, and I guess a lot of it sort of comes from probably his involvement with golf at the time mm. um, and yeah you sort of like look at all the th- all the things and where these people have come from um, is probably without him probably wouldn't have happened to be fair because everything just stems back to Brian and I mean to be honest like I did my time for Brian at the driving range down the road when I worked for Boise for probably about 12, 13 years. But mm. yeah, getting back to your Stephen Elker and, and David Smale things, I mean, that's a sensational and just a product of the area and what was offered at golf at the time here. We've interviewed uh, Stephen a lot. He's great with his time. Oh, it's a terrific bloke. Um, yep. And tonight, of course, I mean, last year that was amazing um, to win the, the Charles Swab. Mm. to a championship and to be the top money winner and uh, rank number one. Incredible. He's had a strong start again to this season uh, with a win the other day. Interviewed him straight after that. He's such a humble sort of a bloke. Very much so. Uh, very level, very grounded sort of a bloke. Yeah. So tonight, let's uh, put your tipsters hat on tonight. Let's just, uh, PGA tees off. Uh, Steve Alcott, uh, he's off at first. Uh, yes. He's in a, uh, appearing, I think, with Sean McKeel, who is a, pre- a former champion. Yeah, former champion. Yes. So we've got Sean McKeel. And then about 30 minutes after that, Ryan Fox has ETs uh, off the same tee. So tell us a wee bit about how you see the PGA Championship at Oak Hill. Um, Oak Hill's going to be a toughie. Um, probably what summed it up best, uh, Trevor Immelman made a comment throughout the week. Um, he said the weekend... Uh, is a test where there's absolutely no faking it. Um, there's no place to hide. Uh, the event in the in, will be a major in every sense and asking everything of a champion, um, which is what a major should be in his eyes. So, I mean, Oak Hill has a very, very um, long history associated with um, other major championships and PGA Tour events like and it has a long history it stems way back into like probably the early 30s 40s 50s um, it's just a great golf course or country club in Rochester New York that's hosted yeah many great events and from the the course setup um, from what I understand uh, it's a traditional golf course um, tree lined with some massive trees obviously um, and then has very very brutal and thick testing rough as well so I think it'll reward um, basically the player um, who is very very good from tee to green and 
um, is going to get the putter on fire. So tell us about the rough from a technical point of view. Um, the rough will be longer than normal. It'll be probably longer than normal around the greens. So yep. it's making that target golf uh, so much more important. Yes. Playing out of rough of that nature, what are we looking at? Strength and wrists, etc. Well, I mean, you look at the guys that are on PGA Tour now. I mean, they're now big, strong, sort of fit, young athletes um, by comparison to the yesteryear that's gone past. Um, so the guys are fitter and stronger. Um, so yes, what playing in thick rough does obviously is it has a tendency to grab the golf club when the club bottoms out with the turf, um, which can do all sorts of crazy things to the club face. So you'll probably see if someone gets in the rough and it's in deep rough, there'll be some situations where it's just a matter of honestly just hacking it out, trying to get it back out on play. Um, if they go for the go for broke, you could say it might come off, but that rough has a tendency where it'll grab the club face and then cause the influence of the ball to go in places that they don't want it to go. Um, and therefore, yeah, you just watch the uh, shots just tally up as they get themselves more in greater, deeper trouble. So uh, on that evidence, um, and knowing the kind of players that are there, the strength of the field, which is top class, of course, because class. It, it's a major. Yes. Um, if you had to break it down to three or four... Who would who would you look at? Because God, it's probably more than three and four. Like yeah. there's like because there's so many great players. There's a really long list. Um, I see it's basically your good players that are the likes of the Scheffler, Ram, Finau, McElroy, Morikawa, Shoffley, Hatton, Cantley, Justin Thomas, Matty Fitzpatrick, and Jason Day have refound form mm. of his game. I mean, all those guys are very very good from tee to green, uh, and they're all right up there on the stats. So you could probably yeah look at the long list of those guys. I mean, they're just PJ Tour players. Um, you've also got your live guys um, who will be at this event as well. Um, so you've got DJ who's just come off a win in a playoff with Cam Smith and um, Brandon Grace. So he'll be present. Um, Cam Smith will be in the field. And then you've got other guys like Taylor Gooch who's been very, very prominent on live of the past um, few events. And Brooks Kepka and Patrick Reed who found their ways climbing up the leaderboard in the Masters mm. you saw um, so, I mean, those live guys will be out in force, um, and they'll be just like waving the flag for live and, and a point to proof. If you can't give me a player, okay, so yes. fair enough. Mm-hmm. What about a number on a golf course like this? Par 70, par 5, only two par 5s, one on each nine, yep. quite clearly. Just give us a number, because traditionally they're low numbers. They are low numbers. Uh, low red numbers in, in, yep. um, in this sort of thing. What the sort of, yeah, I guess around maybe anything that's par. Around wow. that, um, maybe you might get a guy like, say, Scheffler might sort of like break out, and who knows, he could get it going, and like there could be a, a four or a five under total, perhaps. So it'll be low. Well, Steve, um, absolutely great catching up with you, mate. Thanks for the insight there on the PGA, but the history of the golf course, um, it just it is a spectacular and a very, I would imagine, a very... Um, it's a great parkland. It is a great parkland. I, I would say it's uh, quite a valuable piece of real estate too, just by the by, because it's surrounded so. by a river and some beautiful yeah. houses. Um, but uh, we'll um, talk more about that with uh, one of the local residents uh, very shortly, Ross Taylor. Uh, who just uh, lives, I think, behind the third or fourth tee, or well, somewhere yes, very close anyway. Uh, stay, uh, have a great day. Yeah, you uh, too, uh, You're going to meet some wonderful Pleasure. people here today coming to the course for the first time. They will have a, a ball. Hell of a day. Uh, a ball and a hell of a day. The sun will come out. Yeah, it will. Yeah. We have faith. Uh, it's uh, 9.45 here on SENZ. We'll be back very soon with a multi for the day. The information to make your day on the punt a memorable one. 
Louis and Mick on the mail run Saturdays from 8 on SENZ. Cheers, man. He's the mailman and he certainly knows it. The mail run, Saturdays from 8am. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Went horribly wrong uh, yesterday because I thought for a one second that Real Madrid would be very competitive today against uh, Manchester City. I thought they might be, uh, in fact, uh, in a draw situation going to extra time after 90 minutes. No, not the case. Manchester City thumping them 4-0 this morning. So that multi went down the gurgler very, very quickly. Uh, today, a little bit abstract in terms of uh, my options. Uh, Boston playing uh, Miami. Uh, I've gone for under 211 total points, under 211.5 total points there. Uh, so that's uh, at 187. It's low scoring um, compared to yesterday. Boy, did the uh, Lakers uh, put on a show yesterday with the Nuggets. Uh, the Nuggets are superior in the end, but boy, they scored some points. Uh, Defence, big issue there. Uh, and also tonight, of course, it's uh, the first uh, match of the new round of the NRL. And it's the Panthers against the Broncos. Uh, the Panthers visiting the Broncos, but I think they, uh, the way they're playing at the moment, they've turned a corner. Uh, there's a, mo- a minus eight and a half point uh, margin for the Panthers at two dollars. I'm taking it. I think they'll be that good against the Broncos, who I think uh, are going to have a pretty poor month uh, because they've got to head to Napier next week and they won't get any favours there. Uh, and uh, just finally to complete the multi this morning, uh, IPL action, um, or tonight, tonight late, uh, Royal Challengers Bangalore, that's uh, Mike Hessen and uh, Virat Kohli up against uh, the Sunrisers Hyderabad. I think uh, RC Bangalore will beat them at $1.69. So $1.87 at the 2 bucks and $1.69. That is $6.32. $6.32. We shall be back shortly to preview what we're coming up uh, in the next... In the next hour, how about this? If you want to buy a raffle ticket, uh, we'll, we'll buy some of these raffle tickets today. Yeah, Louis, if we won this first prize, do you think you could be able to get to uh, Craggy Range for two nights accommodation for four guests in a two-bedroom uh, villa vineyard cottage at Craggy Range? Could you do that? Uh, drink the wine and uh, perhaps go to a wine tasting as well? Could you manage I'll crawl. It? I'll crawl. I'll walk. I'll crawl. I'll swim. I don't care. I'll be there. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Uh, we'll take tickets then. Um, that is just fantastic what Butch and uh, Ross Taylor have put together, I can promise you. It is 9.53 here on SCNZ. 8 to 10 Saturdays with Louis and Mick. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. And we are at the St Andrews of Hamilton uh, golf course today and uh, we will be speaking to a lot of uh, guests who are coming here to play in a charity golf tournament to raise uh, funds for cyclone relief in Hawke's Bay, uh, including uh, in our chat as well. Uh, we shall be talking to Amy Balcott now. Amy is uh, the CEO of the Hawke's Bay Foundation. Um, uh, a big reason uh, we are here today because uh, of the, uh, the months ago. Uh, the reason I call home and a lot of people who are playing here today have come up um, Hawke's Bay of course was devastated in patches This uh, money that we raised today is going towards them But uh, first up after the break um, Crusaders assistant coach Tamati Ellison 
Names have been bandied around a bit. Uh, what's he up to? What are the Crusaders up to? Got a very winnable game this weekend. They've rested some All Blacks. Uh, be interested to talk to Tamati on uh, the reaction to the win over the Blues as well. That's all coming up in the next hour here on SCNZ. News now with Araha. Auckland weather, areas of early morning fog, then cloud, rain spreads south later this afternoon. High 18, low 14. Catch live commentary of the Panthers taking on the Broncos in NRL action from 9 tonight on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, it is 10.02. I'm uh, on the road today and uh, the road has taken me to St Andrews of Hamilton Golf Course. What a beautiful facility it is as well. We're going to talk uh, rugby very shortly. We're going to head down to uh, Crusaders area, of course. They're uh, on the road themselves to uh, Moana Pacifica at uh, Mount Smart Stadium. I I would imagine, Louis, that could probably be the last game of sport at the so-named Mount Smart Stadium because uh, it goes to go media Mount Smart come Monday morning, I'm led to believe. So there might be a little bit some Bollock there um, and uh, a Crusaders side against uh, Moana Pacifica they battled a wee bit but what about this coaching setup Louis what, what are we going to do with super coaches well it's interesting you, you suggest that because we've got Tamari Allison coming back on and uh, he is highly respected by players I've heard that out of the Crusaders he's really done a great job as kind of that mentory connection I mean he's recently finished playing he's a young guy himself could he take a je- uh, leap to the head coaching situation? Well, Liam Napier, who is all things plugged in when it comes to rugby in this country, is reporting in the Herald this morning, or late yesterday, that as far as the head coaching job goes at the Crusaders, they're not too sure, but all whispers point to Matt Todd, who did a bit of assistant coaching with Marty Burke coming on as an assistant. He played 140-odd times for the Crusaders. He's one of my favourite rugby players of all time. He's lion-hearted. He understands the technical defences and how rolling malls, all things that the Crusaders did so successfully in his time there. He would be a great addition to the assistant coaching setup. so I'm not surprised. Liam reporting that it looks like James Marshall, uh, Dan Perrin and Tamari Allison would stay on as assistants. No lead on the head coaching at the Crusaders, but at the Hurricanes, it appears that Scott McLeod, Brad Moore and Clark Laidlaw, who we had on the show earlier in the week, are all contenders around that head coaching job at the Hurricanes, reports Liam Napier. And, of course, at the start of the week, we spoke to Clark. And back then, the Hurricanes only needed to fill one position. Well, now, with Chris Gibbs moving back to, to Tiawamutu, they would need to find an assistant as well. Up at the Blues, here's a name for you. What about... Jono Gibbs, who's had a six-year stint in France. Uh, he was sacked by Clement pretty viciously and abruptly. So could he come back and take over the Blues? That's what Liam is speculating out of there as well, after Dave Rennie and Joe Schmidt have insisted they're not keen on the roles. So there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of roles to fill. And there are names being bandied around. OK, uh, well, I, uh, yeah, I've heard those names, um, or some of those names, not all of them. Uh, I would have thought Tom Coventry would have looked, uh, would have uh, taken a, a, a decent old look at it. Uh, Tom, Co- Tom Coventry's had a terrific record with the Blues. Uh, prior to that, uh, he was very successful with Hawke's Bay as well. And I would have thought his uh, name might be in the mix. But that is uh, for the future. We're into the now now, uh, obviously. And every time you want to dismiss the Crusaders this season, they've found a reason to keep you believing. And with the, an accurate defence intensity and a suffocating game plan, 
It was the Blues last weekend that felt the wrath of the champions starting to build as always towards their title defence, conceding just three points over 80 minutes. Outstanding. Uh, that is a, a lot of recognition goes to the defensive strategies there. But uh, this week, I've uh, got to go to Mount Smart uh, to take on Minor Pacifica. Uh, that is tomorrow night. Uh, and uh, they scared the Blues a couple of weeks ago, Minor Pacifica. You know they've got a win in them some at some stage. Uh, and they did put pressure on the Crusaders, I think it's fair to say, last time around. So uh, we're going to go to uh, inside the Crusaders camp now and talk to uh, Tamati Ellison, of course, the assistant coach uh, with a side that's uh, just starting to show the signs once again. Uh, Morena Tamati, thank you for your time this morning. Uh, Morena, thanks for having me. Um, Tamati, reaction to uh, last week's 15-3. Very tight game, but when you keep a side to just three points, trialless in effect, uh, over 80 minutes, a side like the Blues, you must have been pretty satisfied with that. I think we were, um, we were proud of the boys um, around the effort, especially early on in the game. Um, we managed to maintain position and force the Blues to make a number of tackles early. I think that really set us up in the back end. I thought um, uh, just watching the game, um, it was it was the kind of performance that I, I think that the side needed just to convince themselves of, of those defensive setups, that communication area, and just pouncing at the right time. Typical Crusaders. Yeah, but yeah, you, you might be right there. We've, we've had a wee bit of movement and um, and selection and and um, you know, continuity in being able to play uh, the same group consecutive weeks is something we struggle with so to, to have a consistent performance in, in areas of our game um, it definitely helps Tamati, uh, uh, I think it probably uh, in recent history anyway, the most affected uh, the Crusaders have been by uh, injuries, particularly up front um, when we look at the side that uh, you've picked this week, there are a lot of new names in there um, in, in key areas, so this is a real test of your depth this year it has been, yeah, it definitely has been and um, it's something we're really honest with in, in terms of our, our preparation uh, and at the same time doing the best job we can to set up um, the next, you know, and, and when they come in making sure they're, they're ready to go and I think we're doing a reasonable job there. Also, of course, um, like um, all the franchises around New Zealand, um, All Black uh, Commitments have said... Uh, time off every now and then. Uh, budgeting those, uh, budgeting those those um, those games off, must be quite tricky at times. Yeah, it can be. Obviously, around um, you have a plan for them from the start of the year, but as you know, plans change, and um, there's injuries here and there, and you're having to adjust. Um, I kind of reflected on before around the, the combinations is something that um, we would have loved to have more of. If, of people playing together and people in the same positions, but we've just had to adapt and and, and continue to um, grow regardless. Tamati, um, let's uh, look at um, your midfield um, this week. You've shifted uh, Dallas McLeod in from the wing where he's been playing um, with his uh, usual class uh, and uh, joined by uh, Jack Goodhue this week uh, who comes back for some much-needed game time. Um, but uh, Braden Enel has been very handy for you as well. Yeah, he has. Um, Braden's having a good season and I think he's he's really just getting started so um, he'll have a, a much-deserved um, refresh this week and um, look forward to getting him back involved um, for the Waratahs. 
What is uh, Moana Pacifica, the challenge of Moana Pacifica, taking a, a young side to Mount Smart, which is their home base? Uh, what are the challenges Moana Pacifica uh, bring to the table? Because they, they did put pressure on you for quite a good portion of the match down there in Christchurch. Yeah, and we're not the only ones. You know, we really clearly a couple of weeks ago against a strong Blues side, um, it was a, a penalty try towards the end of the game that swung that one. Um, they've picked a good group and a group that's had a bit of a refresh um, last week. Uh, so we, we've, we've got full respect for the firepower they have um, in and around collisions, and we've got to make sure that we, we match them there. This week, um, just looking at uh, the 23 you've named, uh, within the, the ranks there, you've got uh, three young fellows who are uh, heading off, uh, of course, to uh, duties with the New Zealand under-20 side. Uh, they are, of course, uh, Noah Hottam, who's had a terrific season, uh, Maka Springer, who continues to impress, and Taha Kamara. Another look at him off the bench this week. Tell us about this young trio of guys and uh, the, this opportunity they've got, uh, particularly with the under-20s. Yeah, we've been really proud of of their efforts. Um, you know, because of injury and other, they've had to to step up in, in big games. Um, you know, so it's been a baptism for for their first season. And um, as I said, we've been really proud of of, of their efforts. And you realise how young they are at times, um, but they're fresh and, and they're raw. And, you know, they trust their natural ability, and and they have to do that again tomorrow night. Uh, in terms of uh, the injury updates, uh, where are we with uh, Sam Whitelock and uh, Ethan Blackadder, who, when it comes to uh, around playoff time, are going to be absolutely vital to the cause? Uh, those two experienced players, where are we with them? With them? Yeah, I think the um, the boys on the other side at training are starting to feel where they are. Um, both Sam and Ethan are, are really close, and um, it's great to have them coming back and, and being closer to the group and and you just show the you know, the intensity and the physicality they bring and they will bring when they return. So we're all looking forward to that and they're not far away. In terms of uh, Will Jordan, uh, Will Jordan has um, made an impressive uh, comeback, a long layoff, uh, getting to this point where he's uh, going to be able to absorb contact, etc. How, how's, uh, how's Will's uh, recuperation and progress back into the game is, uh, through your eyes? Yeah, it's been it's been really good. I think um, you know he was he's been training for for, for a wee while now. Um, I think he's just starting to, to trust himself more and more. And we all know the ability he has when um, when he when he gets things right or half right, he's uh, absolutely devastating. So um, it's it's been great to have him back. You know, we obviously had genuine concerns when he had come and gone um, this year, and we, we're doing all we can to to make sure we can set Jill up and um, yeah, we're just really happy that he's back on the field and um, he's feeling good about things. What about uh, Tamati Ellison going forward? You're, you're uh, earning a, a lot of stripes uh, in the role that you've got at the moment. There are roles uh, coming up for grabs because, uh, of course, we've got a new uh, all-black uh, coaching panel taking over on November 1. So um, what about Tamati Ellison? You've, you've had a rich history around the country playing and, and coaching. Where would you like to uh, end up at some point? With the reins? Oh, yeah, I haven't really thought that too far ahead. Um, I'm sure you know how uh, how much work you, you have to put in um, during the season, so... That's where my focus has been. Oh, you know, we've got six weeks, and I have a have a chance to sit down and have a wee reset before we get into it with the with the Lions. But 
Now those are decisions that will involve my wife and um, I've got baby number six due in, in about 10 days so um, it's, it's uh, yeah, it, those things are probably a little bit further away and, and for me to answer that right now I wouldn't be able to give you an honest answer so um, yeah, I, I've, I've really enjoyed my time down here, um, been well supported and, um, and really enjoyed working with the group. Well, uh, Tamari, uh, great to catch up with you. Great to hear that insight. Good luck with number six. My God, that is um, a challenge for you and your wife, but <laughs> it's uh, fantastic news. Um, have a terrific uh, remainder of uh, preparation. I imagine a light run and uh, a trip up. Uh, is it you travel today? Would that be right? That's right. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, well, safe flight uh, up into uh, to Auckland, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing uh, how the Crusaders go against Moana Pacifica tomorrow night, seven oh five. Thank. Cheers, Tamati. Uh, thanks for your time. Thank you. Yeah, Tamati Ellison there. Um, I think, um, as you pointed out, uh, Louie, I think uh, a real candidate um, for one of those head coaching roles, if not, um, certainly um, he's going to, you know, in some stripes coaching the Wellington Lions. Uh, that in itself is a, a, a very good side with a, a great squad of uh, young players coming through. So uh, I think a great stepping stone for him. But, you know, when we talk about these replacement coaches, uh, we talk about, we know we've got to find three. Uh, then we look at um, the Moana Pacifica um, situation. Um, two nice setting up seasons as such, but uh, that you wouldn't say um, that they have um, set the world alight on the points table. I think that's fair to say. I mean, it, it's quite obvious. And then um, you look at the Highlanders. Um, are they happy to go with the flow? Uh, so names like Tamati Ellison... Um, when you see that people are, um, are, are sort of, not, uh, I won't say falling by the wayside, but counting themselves out, I think it's a better way to say. Um, those players, uh, those young coaches are probably going to get it sooner rather than later. Yes, although hearing Tamari there, uh, first of all, baby number six, congratulations to him and his wife. That is a, a very special effort there. Uh, I, I kind of suspect he's, there's going to be an opportunity for someone at the Crusaders to be a lead assistant. Smithy, especially with Dan Perrin in his first year, James Marshall in his first year, say a Matt Todd comes through, Scott Hansen and Razor leave. If an Andrew Goodman type came back from offshore to take up the head coaching role, they would want continuity in that lead assistant role. And, you know, with Flux in his life like a sixth baby coming along, um, he's taking the head coaching reins in the MPC. I can see real merit for Tarmody's long-term progression as a coach and staying as an assistant underneath at a franchise that will be consistent and will play finals football again next year so I mean that was just me reading the tea leaves there I think he could 100% do the job at, at head coach level but I guess there are, there's more than one way to skin a cat as far as coaching progression goes individually yeah absolutely good point it just reminds me um, you know quietly spoken get the job done very uh, thorough in what he does um, there's a fellow by the name of Clayton McMillan around these parts sounds exactly the same and uh, is pretty damn successful with his methods. So we shall keep an eye on that. It is uh, 10.17 being uh, invaded in the studio, uh, temporary studio here with um, um, a few Muppets that have uh, travelled north from Hawke's Bay. So uh, I'd better take a break, kick them out of the room, and we'll come back with the CEO of the Hawke's Bay Foundation, Amy Balkett, after the break. You're listening to SENZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith 
on SENZ. It is 10.22 and we have taken the show uh, north today. Uh, normally we're based in Havelock North in uh, Hawke's Bay, but today we have come to uh, the St Andrews of Hamilton Golf Course uh, in the heart of the mighty Waikato. And we're here to raise some money. And the, the reason why is, of course, because uh, Hawke's Bay has been devastated. There's a Hawke's Bay connection with uh, Butch Castle's Ross Taylor, who have uh, been chiefly responsible for organising this. But generally they have realised, uh, now living out of the area, that people's lives have been tipped upside down by post-cyclone Gabriel and the clean-up and the rebuild for many will go on. Uh, it'll seem like forever for them. It was amazing to see how the community and the rest of New Zealand rallied behind the region, though tragedy and disaster really does bind a place, uh, a place together, and it's people that, uh, that make that, that binding uh, really, really solid. Uh, on the line now is the CEO of the Hawke's Bay Foundation, who will be getting the proceeds of uh, what is raised today here in Hamilton, and that is uh, Amy Balkett. Amy, good morning to you. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Now, Amy, let's uh, look at, uh, I mean, this is going to be great today, I can promise you, uh, this is going to be ultra successful, uh, 88 uh, golfers here, all for the same purpose, some wonderful raffle and auction items, uh, so I think um, these, these two guys are going to do very well for you, but let's, let's talk about the, the Hawke's Bay Foundation as such, tell us a wee bit about it. Yes, so the Hawke's Bay Foundation is a, is a community foundation, and how we work is any donations we receive have to stay here in Hawke's Bay and be used for Hawke's Bay charitable purposes. So when the cyclone hit, we knew that we were, you know, going to be people's best option to make sure that the people that they knew had been hit by the cyclone were going to need help. Uh, and by giving a donation to us, it was going to go back directly to, uh, you know, to their local community. Um, we don't take any overhead admin um, costs and, um, you know, it, we're getting everything out more than a year. So, yeah, we're working really, really hard to, to make a difference. We know how you're getting some funding today, but normally how is the foundation funded? So normally um, a community foundation, which, you know, there's several in New Zealand and there's several all around the world, normally how we're funded is by private um, or corporate grants or bequests and we put those funds under endowment and the in income, is, that's what made on those funds is what goes out to that donor's chosen charity every year. But in times like this, we can pivot to being more of a, um, you know, immediate funder, so we can take a, a donation and, and give it straight back out. Um, so we will do that during times of crisis, and in fact, we did that during COVID too. Okay, right. Well, that, that's interesting mm. because, you know, mm. uh, it's been a while since, um, since of course, uh, you know, the cyclone. Um, but the memories, you only have to drive around the place to, to know that the memories will still be very, very painful for a lot of people who are deeply affected by all of this. And, you know, um, it was an interesting, I had a conversation with Mike King, of course, of the I Am Hope Foundation. He said, um, you know, when these things happen, people rally around very quickly. Uh, and, you know, mm -hmm. and people get the, all the support they can um, on hand then. And then people go back to their normal lives, those people coming in to help. And these people are left. And that is the tough time. And, and I would imagine you're noticing Correct. that now with, with uh, people in the, these areas now. What kind of people, areas are you looking at um, targeting with, with, with your assistance? Well, well, I think I think the point to make there is is when you need to have a plan. When you set up a crisis emergency fund, you need to have a plan on how you're going to give it away. Because if you do give it all away in the first couple of months, then you, yes, you are left with these people who who are still six months down the track, homeless, jobless, uh, and have no income or are living off their insurance payments. 
that's, that's where you need a plan to be able to make a good distribution. So our first distributions were to, you know, things like food, water, clothing. And then it's become, you know, more of a grant to local communities who can give to families who are some living out of caravans, uh, living out months still, um, and still have no idea where to, um, you know, where they're going to be in a month's time. So, so we're, we've been giving out our distributions in portions so that we make sure that we're holding on to, you know, what the need is at this time. Uh, Amy, I drove through uh, East Valley yesterday, first mm. time. Uh, actually, I, I'm a Havelock resident and I haven't oh, been gosh. any further north than uh, Parkerfire Road. So um, I was there absolutely gobsmacked uh, and I've been hearing stories of this. Um, what are the areas, crucially, that you're focusing in around Hawke's Bay? Yes. Uh, well, we because we're Hawke's Bay Foundation, we must focus on all of Hawke's Bay, um, but we have been focusing particularly on those where there are the most displaced families. Uh, so we're looking at Pukitapu uh, and around near Dartmoor, Patoka. Um, we've uh, just um, released some funding to go to the East Valley community. We've just been approached by a new community group from Parkify. Um, we... It's when we give money away, we want to make sure that the community is able to take the money because sometimes it's often a bit of a chore to be too. I know it sounds crazy, but when you receive money, you have to do the right thing with it. So it's, mm. it's making sure they've got the infrastructure to then be able to take the funds. But yeah, I mean, we look after all of Hawke's Bay, and if you've been affected, we will help. Right. Okay. Um, have you? I mean, you, you're in touch with um, you know uh, human nature um, and your side of the thing, the, the ups and the downside of it. Mm. Have you been? I mean, this is a very generous day today. A lot of people are contributing lots and lots of uh, money and time, etc., for today. Have you been blown away by the reaction mm. to uh, how people have been helped around our area? Yeah, and I can I can probably speak on a personal level too, Ian, because we lived in Pukitapu in my family and we lost our home. And we were just, that's what kept us going, was the the, the, the offers of help from everywhere. Um, and, and when it comes to the foundation, the offers of help from all walks of life, you know, like we've got you guys out there playing golf. We've, we've had a Roy Orbison um, tribute concert raise money. We've had a Harley Davidson motorcycle club raise money. It's just the whole community wants to help and, and there's always a way that you can help, you know, let them help, whether it's financially, whether it's through um, items or, or just time, you know, the people going around digging silt out. Um, it's just unbelievable, the community spirit down here. It's, it's really what's kept us all going. So if people wanted to help um, the foundation directly um, and mm -hmm. come to you personally, yep. is there a website or is, is, you know, um, is there some way that they can yep. readily get you? Yes, it's very easy. Um, on our website, which is, you know, hawksbayfoundation.org.nz, um, there's a very easy just donate here and you can donate using a credit or debit card um, if you prefer not to. Just flick us an email and um, we'll more let you know the, the bank account to send it to. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a very simple process. Amy, uh, fantastic to catch up with you. Mm. Great to hear the great work that you're doing in response. Uh, sorry about your own personal plight. I had uh, no idea about that. Um, so I hope personally things are, worry, are, 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 are cool for you and um, looking up. So thanks so much for Thank your time, you. and uh, we'll make sure we send you're you a welcome. healthy amount out of today, eh? Look, we really appreciate it, and thank you to the team, and I, and I hope that the weather stays good for a, for a great round of golf.
It is, uh, it's, it's picking up as we speak. Uh, 10.30 here, Amy, have a terrific day, and uh, we'll catch up again shortly, I'm sure. Awesome, thank you. Right, uh, it is 10.30, yes, uh, here on SENZ. What we're going to do now is we're going to play Stump Smithy an hour early. Uh, today because we've got a number of guests in the, the 11 o'clock hour who will just be breezing in and out um, and uh, they're all names that you know very well, uh, cricket and rugby league in particular. But what we shall do is uh, we'll play Stump Smithy now. So uh, get on the phone 0800 150811. Brian's sitting waiting for your calls. Uh, Louis Herman what will be the quiz master today. We have been shocking this week. Here we are. Well, we've reached Thursday and we are 0 and 3 in the week. We've got to do something about it. It is 10.31. We'll be back shortly. This job. Right, it is 10.33 here on SENZ and some things don't change no matter where you are. And one of those things is Stump Smithy. Uh, we like to play it every single day to give you an opportunity to win a betting voucher from the TAB, a bonus uh, betting voucher. And that uh, today is worth uh, $50 because, as I said, we've been awful during the week. So to this point, uh, we will try and get it up to 100 for tomorrow. Uh, Louis is uh, down there in Christchurch. Uh, he's running the cutter uh, in this one. Louis, uh, what, are we, uh, what are we looking at? Who are we looking at? And what are the subjects? I think that's the crux. Well, here I was thinking that uh, breakfast with Izzy and Kempe and Tony Kemp's Taranaki Hardcore One-Eye was the real Taranaki hub of SCNZ. But we're going back to the Naki. We're going back to, well, Waverley, really. Waverley, which is just such a famous, famous part of New Zealand for obvious reasons. And we're going to Guy. Morning, Guy. How are we? Oh, Guy, Guy, yeah, Guy Lennox this is. Now, Guy Lennox has a uh, rich history in uh, Wanganui sport. Of course, um, played a million games for Wanganui at rugby and, of course, now heavily involved in the horse industry as well. Um, so um, you should have pretty much a great all-round knowledge of everything. This should be a lay-down mazir for you, Guy Lennox. <laughs> <laughs> What subject have you got for me? That I'll stay away well, we from the sport. <laughs> okay. Well, all right, guy. Okay. Well, you could do football if you wanted. That's soccer football. You uh, could do. You could. Do, you could do baseball if you wanted. <laughs> um, or, or on a very fitting day, you could take on golf. It'll have to be golf. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Suspected as much. All right, guy, get us off to a fly. Stephen Alka and Ryan Fox will tee off in the PGA Championship tonight in their quest for a major title. How many Kiwis have won golf majors? Oh, um, Michael Campbell. Well, no, I'll, I'll go for two. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Well, Guy Lennox, could I put you out straight uh, from question one? <laughs> could I? Uh, the question there, I think, was how many golfers, and that means Kiwis. that could include, that could include uh, females as well. Um, so that would bring Lydia Coe into the mix very, very quickly, but it would bring uh, Lydia Coe into the mix, so I have to include Lydia and give my answer as three. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. Too good. 
Okay, guy. Um, we shall s- we'll see you in the Hawks Bay in due course, and we shall uh, talk about that uh, pathetic performance by you uh, over a, a beer or two. Uh, but please call again at some stage, and um, it's uh, been a pleasure, I think it's fair to say, to win over someone as noted as you. Have a terrific day, mate. All the same. Bye-bye. Cheers. Right, uh, who's next, Louis? Gee, you enjoyed that one, Smithy, didn't you? Um, we're we're going to we'll see if you can see. You've sent the Central Districts on their way. See if you can send the South Island, the O3, the Christchurch region on its way with John. Morning, John. Okay, John. Sir Bob. Sir, you, you, you're familiar, Sir Bob Charles? Uh, well, I know Bob Charles, well, I don't know him personally, but uh, great Kiwi and, uh, yeah, awesome golf man. Okay, that's not the answer. Sir Bob is the only Kiwi to feature in the World Golf Hall of Fame. Well, allegedly, that's that's interesting. And what year was Sir Bob Charles inducted? Oof. Jesus Christ. Uh, I would say 2005. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Well, I've got to tell you, if I get this, this is an absolute fluke, and I probably won't, but I'm, I'm trying to chronologically work these things out because uh, Bob Charles, of course, won his Open Championship back in the early 60s. Um, and then, of course, uh, after the PGA, he, he went on to be a, a hugely accomplished golfer on the seniors tour was uh, as it was back in those days won multiple events best left-handed golfer in the world until perhaps phil mickelson came along um i'm going to say earlier than that i'm going to say around about 1987-88 one of the worst things i have ever seen done on a cricket field smithy have a spell have a spell i've got i've got here on my sheet 2008 I mean, just noted, I don't write these questions and answers, but I've got 2008, which puts John very, very close. Anywho. Yeah. yeah question three. I didn't think three. it was that early. I thought, yeah. Okay. Fair uh, okay. Well, sticking with Hall of Fames, the New Zealand Golf Hall of Fame was established in 2010 with Sir Bob and Michael Campbell as the first two inductees. Checks out. There are 10 members including one Australian and one woman. Can you name that Kiwi woman? Oh, John. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I know it's not Lydia Coe, um, but I, just, I know she's much older than that, but no, I can't think of what her name is. Um, but I'll, I'll just say Lydia, even though I know it's wrong. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Well, look, I, I, I possibly could get this, and if I got the right answer, I possibly should get this, um, because uh, my first cousin um, was the first woman professional golfer in New Zealand, So, uh, and then went and played her trade uh, in America. So my first cousin, her name was Marilyn Smith. Um, so I'm going to say Marilyn Smith is in the New Zealand Golfing Hall of Fame, uh, if not, I'm baffled if it's not her or Lydia. So there you go, Marilyn Smith. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket Marnie field. Maguire. That'd be Marnie Maguire, is it? No, Look, not no, Marnie it's, Maguire it, either. It's, it's not. It's not. And a, a very interesting little bit of um, 
Yeah, fun fact about you, Smithy, that you were our first cousins with Marilyn Smith. Look, the answer I have here, and, and this is what an incredible woman, born in 1909, passed away in 93, Olivia Hollis. Oliver Olivia. Hollis, sorry. Oliver Hollis. Oh, oh gosh. Okay. Today. Yeah, okay. Hey, the good news is, the really good news is, John, you've won. Um, this yeah, amazing quiz that we've got going. So you stay on the line, um, Brian. Brian again. So we're on four this week. Uh, that's pathetic. Call yourself a sports host, you idiot. Give yourself an uppercut. Um, right. Okay. Let's uh, go across to Brian. Uh, he will take uh, all your details. Uh, we'll take a short break uh, to uh, change direction and come up with uh, something uh, a good deal more successful. In fact, um, and Louis Herman Watts come up with an idea about a PGA Championship sweepstake. We'll talk about that shortly as well. Hours of the day. From Izzy to Ricardo, what a roster we have on SCNZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Well, I can give you a weather and track here at uh, St Andrews of Hamilton Golf Course. Uh, the mist, the fog is clearing. Uh, sun is trying to burst through. I think we're in for a really cool afternoon here with uh, the perfect weather to play some good golf. But uh, down there in Christchurch, of course, uh, Louis, you have racing on a synthetic track today. Tell us a wee bit about that. It is, and there's great fields, Smithy. It's overcast down here. I don't think we're in threat of much rain, um, but it doesn't matter because we're on the synthetic. Now, there are great stakes up here. The the Rickard and Club have done such a good job. There's a couple of really nice races. Race 8 in particular, as I mentioned to Butch, $35,000, a racing 87 on a Thursday. What a treat. There's a horse. Oh, look at that. Copor, $4 into three thirty. Gee, it's getting on its price now, but Kopor on its day, the shocking gelding, is talented. Now, took a skid on the West Coast going back probably towards the start of the year when the West Coast circuit was running. It just hasn't found form since. Three runs back, but look, when Dummy Myers' horses travel, they tend to travel well. And I think Kopor, which has been proven down here in this part of the world, not on the synthetic, but in Canterbury area after a trip, has done well before. So I notice there are plenty of market movers across the card. One that hasn't moved yet, which I'll be watching very closely, is race number five, number three, Star Ballot. Now, Star Ballot, up over 2,200 metres, I think this is a pretty progressive stayer. Tarzino, it's had 11 starts, 3 wins, and it, it kind of is a little bit hit and miss, but I think the key to this horse is being up over the ground, and the other key is, I always say, Smithy, on synthetics, you want to know a horse can hack it, right? It's a strange surface, not all of them love it, it's had 3 starts on the course for a win and a third, when it goes up over the mile, it's up over 2200 today, its strike rate significantly improves, uh, I think Star Ballot at 5.52.10s an each way bet for the Pitmans with Kavish Chowdhury who is riding pretty well. So other than that, watch for market movers, race 5 number 3 is an each way play for me, and um, this weekend mate, there's some decent racing, you, you still planning to head to, to Rapa even though there's no jumps? 
Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a faux pas, wasn't it? Yeah, but I am absolutely uh, going to enjoy some uh, hospitality and a, a great day at uh, a terrific race course. So, yep, tell us a wee bit about uh, Tarapa Awapuni. And um, I hear there might be a, a, a little sneak over to Australia somewhere along the line. Yeah, there are a couple of sneakies into Australia. Actually, you got to at this time of year, you got to trawl through all of the fields to see where the the Kiwis pop up for that nice prize money. Uh, the sneaky, we'll start with that. How about this race number four at Rosehill for a TAB handicap? Just a just a lowly rating seventy eight worth one hundred and sixty three thousand New Zealand. Thank you, Mr. Volandis, the godfather, as you called him yesterday. We Will Rock, the top weight. Now, We Will Rock resides from your part of the world. Great strike, right? One, four of his ten starts. Guy Lowry, last start, We Will Rock put it together. He's a big boy. When he gets going, he's hard to stop. Look, Dylan Gibbons rides. I guess the, the concern here is, has he travelled and can he hack 62 kgs? But he's in a rating 78. He won well enough at rating 75 grade back over here last start, so clearly he's up to the mark. They will be faster because it's Australia. We know how this works. But if he can get a little piece, even run second or third, it's going to pay for the trip. Um, so I think that's great for um, Guy Larry to sneak him over there, and he is a progressive enough horse. At Tarapa, there's a couple I like. Race 7, Oni Roa. This is a really wide open race. You're getting seven dollars, about two sixty or so now. It's an each way bet for me. It will hack the wet. Um, it doesn't mind it. Uh, doesn't mind it. Um, second up as well. Really good stats there. The mare for Andrew Forsman was scratched out of the race that Wessex won last weekend at Rotorua. So I'd be happy to be with Oni Roa, who's got the Fraglioni form around it. And at Awapuni, well, those fields. Are very even. So if you see Sticko, Stephen McKee, or Leith Innes, or actually next time you see Butch Castles, could you just mine some mail out of them, Smithy? Could you just do well just to make sure you don't leave without a couple of morsels that we can take? And I'm not talking about the, the bluffies on hole three. Okay, I shall do that. I shall do that on your behalf and pass it on. It is uh, 10.51. Uh, Louis isn't finished for this hour because, folks, he's got news of a golfing sweepstake coming up. Uh, stay tuned, and you could be a winner here on SENZ. Of course. So, here's a, here's a go. $50 TAB bonus bet. I'm sure we'll mine one out of Paul Mawadi. If you can, and if multiple people tip the winner, we'll put you in a little draw. Who wins? Sweepstake time. Double eight, double three. The Temper Bear Post text machine. Light us up like a Christmas tree. Uh, who wins this thing? Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Xander, Tony Finau, Dustin Johnson has already been tipped out by John to win at 11 under. If you want to put the score, feel free. But we just need your name and your golfer's name. And if you hit, well, there's a very good chance you'll pull yourself out a $50 TAB bonus bit. But more importantly, you'll get bragging rights. And that's what we really want. Right, OK. So double eight, double three. just text us your winner there. Uh, it's as simple as that. What have we got coming up uh, in the next hour? Well, a uh, feast of uh, sporting uh, royalty, really. Uh, notoriety. Uh, we've got uh, Ross Taylor coming in uh, just after 11 o'clock in a few minutes' time. Uh, we'll talk about um, a couple of things with Rice in particular. What makes a good number three in one-day international cricket? And what makes a good number four? And who does he think uh, will be part of our World Cup squad or should be part of our World Cup squad uh, for the World Cup in India? Of course, he's had vast experience of playing there. As is uh, Martin Guptill. We'll be uh, talking to Guppy about, uh, is he still waiting for the call from uh, Gary Stead? 
Um, I would imagine he would. He's uh, an optimist. Um, and what his future is within cricket. And then uh, Cameron George is going to be with us as well. Uh, we can talk about uh, uh, perhaps um, the announcement yesterday that uh, involves the Warriors uh, regarding uh, Manu, Manu Vadave. And of course, we're also looking at um, uh, the Warriors as we sit with a bit of a report card after uh, what, round 11. So plenty to come, and hopefully Paul Mawadi on site as well to give us some odds in the next hour. Hugely busy. So we'll look forward to it. It'll fly by, I promise you that. Golf is the order of the day, but with a bit of cricket and a bit of rugby league chucked in, coming up soon. The Broncos in NRL action from 9 tonight on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.02 here on uh, SENZ in the mornings. We are at uh, St Andrews uh, of Hamilton Golf Course today for a very special event to uh, raise money uh, for uh, cyclone relief in Hawke's Bay. Of course, we all know the story. They've been devastated. And every little bit helps, and today quite a lot will be helping uh, coming out of this golf course and the generosity of the people involved. Uh, and it was the brainchild of two people in particular. We've spoken to one of them already, Butch Castles, just after uh, 9 o'clock this morning, but now it's uh, time to catch up with the second of uh, those people heavily involved in uh, putting this all together. Ross Taylor, of course, well known to us, uh, former Black Cap. Um, we'll find out what he's up to very shortly. But Ross, the significance of today and Hawke's Bay to you? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, it was where I, Central District's home, home ground, spent a lot of time there as a kid, Riverbend, uh, a lot of family and friends. And I suppose you all saw what the, the destruction, it just... I felt like I was watching something overseas at the time, to be fair, and um, yeah, I was having a drink with Butch, and I thought, well, you know, we needed to do something, being, um, you know, Butch living in, in the Bay for so long, and, and me having a closer affiliation, I mean, every time I came out to bat there, I think everyone in Napier always thought I lived there, mm-hmm. um, by the by the reception I had, but um, the res- response by by friends, and I guess our network, and, uh, and the Hamilton and, and wider uh, Waikato community has been fantastic. Right, okay, so you've got people coming from far and wide, uh, Auckland of course, um, down as far as Hawke's Bay in itself, uh, has it been easy to put together, I mean first time organising a golf tournament for you as such? Oh 100%, um, you, the things that go go on behind the scenes you you don't know, but um, no, we we didn't have to advertise whatsoever, um, which was amazing, we we thought we might have to, but the teams probably went within, within a day, so um, Butch and Tess have been fantastic. Um, and as I said, I think uh, it was such an easy sell for um, you know such a such a good cause. Everyone saw what it was like, and um, yeah, I'm sure if we if we try to get double the amount of teams, it would have been very easy to have got. Okay, right. Let's um, focus on a little bit of uh, cricket. I mean, because a lot of listeners out there knowing what uh, wanting to know what Ross Taylor's up to now. Now I understand a little bit. He tells me you may be heading off to Texas. Uh, you were telling me before we were, uh, a trip to London as well. Yeah, um, I suppose I've, I've been offered a, a few interesting gigs uh, since I've retired. Um, but no, fortunate enough to to have signed on as a as a batting advisor, assistant coach at uh, the Seattle Walkers. Um, for the the major league coming up, um, yeah, dipping the toes at coaching and and throwing, and I'm excited to do that. 
first time, uh, obviously, such a big tournament and a 2020 tournament in, in the States, but uh, heading off in a couple of weeks' time for the World Test Championship final, um, handing the handing the, the mace over to Pat Cummings and Rohit Sharma. Uh, should be interesting uh, to see what, you know, obviously how that game goes. It's it's a big season for Australia with the Ashes coming up, but uh, India, there's a few um, injuries, and obviously being there before, um, you know, last year, uh, a couple of years ago against us and, and losing, I'm sure they don't want to lose two in a row. No, um, and I think uh, for the sake of Test cricket, I think it's a very good final, but for the sake of Test cricket um, and the future of Test cricket, and knowing the strength of what India provide to cricket, it might not be a bad idea for them to win it because that means Test cricket will be in good hands. Yeah, I think so. And I think um, not only that, but I think the senior Indian players have, have talked about how important Test cricket is to them. And I think for the survival of this game, we know the struggles that is going on with its relevance and, and the emergence of 2020 cricket and one-day cricket. Uh, we need this game. It's Test cricket. All the players say it's the pinnacle and 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 love playing it, but we need uh, we need it to be relevant for years to come. Okay, right. Uh, let's uh, look at um, uh, the United States as a, a breeding ground for cricket because uh, my understanding is, unless things have changed re- very recently, the the next T20 World Cup is in uh, what America or in the top in the Caribbean. Things? Yeah, in the Caribbean. Um, so I think this that's probably why they brought it forward this early. Um, apparently, obviously, you got the ground in in Fort Lauderdale in, in Miami. Uh, there's a ground in North Carolina, but the whole tournament, I think, they just wanted to keep it in one venue in, in Dallas, uh, where our fel- our former Black Cap uh, and now trying to play for the States, Corey Anderson lives. So um, by all accounts, it's it's going along well, and there's 20 to 30 million expat Indian, Pakistani, Bangladesh, Sri Lankans that live in America. Um, you know, they love their cricket, and, mm. and the world tournaments that I've been to around the world, you bump into a lot of, uh, you know, American... Um, Indians that are you know love their cricket that just want to follow obviously their Indian team around, but um, you know can afford to you know spend big money and and, and get into um, these events. Next big event uh, for New Zealand, uh, Roscoe, without of course being involved in the World Test Championship this time around, is the World Cup uh, in India, and uh, of course that is uh, the 50 over version. Of course we were painfully uh, second. Uh, four years ago in uh, London. I imagine you're over that almost by now. Um, of course, uh, since then, uh, you finished playing. Uh, but a lot of people uh, come into the show and say, what are we going to do without Kane? What, what do we do without Kane Williamson? Now, it looks, for all intents and purposes, as if Kane probably won't be fit to play. Let's, let's, uh, let's just say that for, for the reasons of this interview. What do we do at three? Um, I mean, it's going to be an amazing effort for Kane to to get him close to that. So for me, I think there's only three options. I think you you either have Will Young, who's had some success there uh, um, against Sri Lanka and, and a couple of hundreds against Holland, uh, moving De- uh, Devin Conway down uh, to three, give him a little bit of protection, knowing that the ball does swing early on uh, in, in India, and as it's seen in IPL currently, or what's happened in... Um, in Pakistan recently, where Daryl Mitchell got two hundreds, uh, batting at three. I think those are the only three um, viable options. Some massive shoes to fill, but whoever does bat three, you know, he's got to get the majority of the runs throughout the whole tournament uh, and bat majority of the balls as well. Right, you batted four for so often. Um, if that's the case, what do we do at four? How adventurous do we do we get at four? And what is the role of four? I think the yeah, I mean. Tom Latham batted at four. I think 
you know, if he's going to captain the side, I, th- I think he's had most of his success at five. I think keeping the wicket in these hot conditions, captaining the team, um, you know, I think for me, he's a, he's a five. Um, I think the I think the ideal team for me would be, and this is a team I don't think they're going to go with, but you could go theoretically with the way it's looking at the moment. They're going to have a top four that doesn't has never played one game at a one-day World Cup. So for me, Martin Guptill should be there at opening the batting um, with either Devin Conway or um, Will Young. Uh, so I'd say say it's say it's Conway Guptill, Will Young at three. Uh, Daryl Mitchell at four, I think. Um, I don't think that's the way the selectors and Steady are going to go, but I think to go into a World Cup tournament with no one in the top four have ever played a match um, is a risk, but um, a risk that, uh, you know, looking from the outside in, it's probably probably the way they're going to go. Okay, let's uh, also look then at, um, you know, you mentioned uh, Martin Guptill, of course, uh, in that role, the captaincy side of it. Um, you've um, you've experienced time with uh, Tim Southey and Tom Latham, who appear to be, if Kane's not going to be there, uh, the likely successors in this regard. Would you have a preference either way there? I think, you, first and foremost, the captain's got to start. Um, I think if Trent Bolt's not available, then Tim Southey starts to come into the equation. But, you know, David White's come out and said it. Um, Tim uh, Bolte's come out and said it. So, as we've seen, whatever David said normally comes to fruition. So, Trent Bolt's going to be there. So, if Trent Bolt's going to be there, then Tim Southey is going to find it hard to make it into there. I think they're going to open the bowling with Matt Henry... Um, and Trent Bolt. So then, for me, it's Tom Latham is, is going to be going to be the captain. Um, he, he's you know cemented the spot there at five, and I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. Right. Okay. Um, you mentioned the top four before, but you you, you left out a name which um, is easy left out because uh, he's just not playing any cricket. Finn Allen, and uh, this is a bloke that they've they've uh, put a lot on. But he's not playing cricket, and he's part of an IPL group of New Zealand players that are getting very little cricket. Uh, is that a concern for you? Yeah, I think... Um, no, I think they've played a lot of cricket. Um, I'm sure he would like to be playing more cricket, but when you've got Coley and Faf Duplessis as your openers, you're probably not going to play many games for um, Royal Challengers. Um, no, I, do, I mean, I, you know, I didn't mention his name for now, and I think if there's been a criticism of this team, um, it's their age. Uh, I think he comes into it because there's not a lot of... You know, a lot of the guys were picking a 29-30. So, mm. if you're looking towards the future, Finn Allen, I think, has to be there or thereabouts. But for me, he's in the squad. He's um, he's not in the starting lineup at the moment. Right, um, Spin. How um, having experienced India a lot in your particular travels, how um, important do you think uh, Spin will be to New Zealand's chances? I think it's, you know, uh, Michael Bracewell, Mitchell Satner, Ish Sodi. Um, whatever balance, if not all three of them, to come in, uh, are going to play a big part. I think the only thing with spinners, you know, these subcontinent teams play spin well. So the spinners, you don't just play spin just for the sake of it. They're still got to earn their right to come into it. Um, but where I think this New Zealand team probably has a a, a leg up and, and a chance to make those semi-finals is that um, you know Pakistan, Sri Lanka um, probably don't have the experience. That uh, you know they had you had a Misbar and Shahid Afridi, Afridi, um, Sangakara, uh, Mahela Jay Wardner. They're missing from the Sri Lanka and Pakistan teams. Where you know more often than not, when there's a tournament in the subcontinent, they you lock them in for a semi-final berth. Where I think if you look 
if you look at both of those teams, I think you've got to give it to them because that's the, the conditions they play in a lot. But uh, I wouldn't give it them uh, you know, a, a given to make it into the semi-final. Right, let's, uh, can we look at uh, the Ashes coming up, uh, Ross, which uh, we're very proud to say that uh, here at SENZ we will have ball-by-ball commentary of. Um, right throughout the whole Test Series and the World Test Championship, just uh, by the way. You'll be on Johnny on the spot over there, but we'll be listening to it and uh, working on it from home. Uh, the Ashes. Uh, Nathan Lyon, the goat, they call him in Australia, um, has come out and said they're going to clean them, clean them out. Um, whitewash, so to speak. Um, not quite sure I see it that way. Um, looking at the side that England have announced in the last day or so, with uh, very batting heavy with Best, though, coming back on and keeping instead of Ben Folks. What do you think of baseball as such against that Australian attack? Well, I mean, that's the thing. We all know that this Australian side is all very confident, not only this team, but year, teams in, in years gone past. Every time we go to Australia um, or the English team, you know, a, a former great and, you know, McGrath or, or, you know, Warren or that will come out and say, oh, it's going to be 4 or 5 nil. It's just, it's just in their psyche and the, and the way they go about but I thought it was very interesting to hear the way um, you know Stokes has said they wanted flat, hard pitches. So if there's anything to go by by last year, I think it, what they haven't talked about is a Duke ball. Quite often when we go over there and, and Duke ball in years gone past, Broad, Anderson, the way they go about it, where last year was the first year they made the Duke balls in Pakistan and it actually didn't do a lot. Mm. Um, so it'd be interesting. Uh, I haven't heard whether they're still going to be made in Pakistan or whether they're going to use the English Duke because um, that does swing around. And that was a surprising thing for me last year was um, you could still get nicked off with a 70-overall ball with the Duke where they were just absolutely pummeling them and getting 500 with the traditional Duke, you couldn't be able to do that. So I think this England team will... Yeah, I don't think it's... It's definitely not going to be a whitewash. Um, I, I think it's going to be a great series. Um, Stokes and, and the way Bears go about it, they, they want results. Um, this... You know, I think there's still a few holes in this Australian team and, and six test matches as well, this Australian team, the World Test Championship and five more. For me, it's that World Test Championship. How do they, the importance they put on that, um, knowing that, you know, I'm sure he'll try and play, but Pat Cummings playing all six test matches as a fast bowler, that's going to be a, uh, an all in, you know, two months. It's, yeah. That's going to be a hell of an effort. But uh, I, I think it's still too early to call. Um for me, I think it's going to be a great series, but um, maybe, I, I think for me, England's chances, I think they're score, going to score a lot of runs. It's just how Anderson and Broad um, and Ollie, Ollie Robson go, I think, you know, how they go and, and Leach um, will go to a long way to seeing how England go because um, by all accounts, it doesn't look like Stokes is going to be doing much bowling. No, um, that that uh, that is obvious, but they, they have gone batter heavy, so if they want to go full tilt at Australia, they've probably got another bit of batting insurance there. Uh, you know, you look at a Brook at six or a Bearstow at six or seven, and you're thinking, wow, if they start well, uh, look out Australia. Um, golf, your golf, how's it going? My golf? Um, I Yeah, I think the more I play, the worse I get. Uh, I think I overthink it too much. Um, I... Yeah, this is my home my home course. I uh, played it on 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 Tuesday and rocks and diamonds, uh, military golf, left right, left, left right. Left that's right, yeah. um, that's probably the best way to describe uh, describe me. I think I'm very lucky that this is an Ambrose format that we're playing today, and um, I'll do some really good shots, but uh, uh, there'll definitely be some really bad ones that hopefully we won't need. 
There is a, um, a video going around of you in a very high-profile pro- <laughs> high situation on a first tee involving playing uh, um, with Ryan Fox in an invitational event when you hit your tee shot between your legs, which is almost <laughs> impossible to do. Um, um, and I'm not sure if it's a shot you practised, uh, whether that was your right-hand dominant cricket coming in, forcing the golf ball off the elevated tee in between your legs. Can you talk us through that one? The mind is a powerful thing. And coming in, and I knew there was going to be three or 400 people watching. Um, and... I visualise all week stuffing that shot, but I visualise hitting that like 100 metres, 150 metres. I didn't visualise hitting that 2.5 metres, um, and it was left under the... If you go on to Instagram, you'll see the video. Mm. Uh, Ryan Fox and Mitchell Satner, my teammate at the time, uh, were absolutely uh, losing it. But I think I was very lucky that John Key got a hole in one. Uh, two holes later, because if he didn't get a hole-in-one, I think that could have gone viral. <laughs> so John Key getting a hole-in-one with a seven-wood and not even knowing it had gone in, uh, I think saved my blushes. Ross Taylor, uh, congratulations on what you've um, been able to put together today. People are arriving, uh, the marquees are going up, um, all the special holes are going in, the signage is uh, taking shape as well. Congratulations on what you and um, Butcher have been able to put together and let's hope it raises plenty for a worthy cause. Thanks for stopping by, I'll let you get back to work. No, thanks, thanks for having me. Cheers, uh, Ross Taylor there with us, folks with us. Uh, in-depth thoughts too about what he would like to see with the New Zealand squad going to that all-important World Cup in October and November in India. Coming up to 11.20, we'll be back shortly with more guests. TNZ, it's second versus third in the NRL and it's live on SENZ. The Broncos take on the Panthers in Thursday Night Rugby League. Catch live commentary from 9 tonight on SCNZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Well, we had Paul Moati uh, all scripted to come in around about now because he's going to be live on course. But uh, my understanding is that uh, Hamilton Airport was closed for a good uh, part of the early part of the morning because of fog. So uh, that might, his arrival on course might be a little bit late. But uh, I think him and Thad Taylor are coming to, uh, to run a hole. Um, as part of the TAB to raise uh, money. But, uh, Louis, you've had uh, some amazing response uh, already uh, to your sweepstake request. And um, a couple of texts uh, also have come in regarding um, uh, the Black Caps and uh, the, the first 11 for the One Day Internationals. Ross Taylor, very thoughtful, and you know when he speaks, because you don't hear a hell of a lot of him commenting on his former team, that he has given it some decent thoughts. He speaks with a lot of credence, doesn't he, Smithy? And I thought, I'm pretty sure I have this right, the top four was fascinating. So, Ross would go with Martin Guptill being an experienced World Cup head, Devin Conway, Will Young batting three, and Daryl Mitchell at four. Is that what you got? That's basically what I got, yeah. Um, no mention there of uh, Glenn Phillips. I'd like to see Glenn Phillips in there because um, he's an absolute diamond um, in uh, the field. He's not going to come off uh, eight times out of ten, but if he comes off three times out of ten, uh, he could win you a crucial game because he scores and he's so dangerous that uh, I think you've got to have a player of that ilk in your World Cup squad uh, and your World Cup starting eleven. So I'd throw him in there at five or six. 
uh, and I like Tom Latham there, potentially as a closer rather than a fixer-upper. I think you've got to think positively. Uh, you don't just have insurance because uh, in case things go wrong, that's a negative thought. Um, that is not how Brennan McCullum plays cricket. Uh, I don't think that's the way that we should play it either, particularly one-day cricket. We've got to go for it to a certain extent, and uh, if we're good enough on the day, we could win the World Cup. We've gone close. Totally agree around Glenn Phillips, and I think there is a space for him and Michael Bracewell to be explosive in that middle-lower order. Um, Craig says top four would be Seifert, Conway, Mitchell, and Phillips on the temper post text machine. So that's Craig's thought. Who would you be having batting at the top of the order, and is there a space for Finn Allen there was not in Ross Taylor's team? We've also got plenty of texts on the golf smithy. We're running the sweepstake. It's blowing up the text machine. It's actually melted a wee bit. Um, it's almost like candle wick on my finger as I scroll. So, what are we have uh, lots of Scotty Schefflers, lots of John Rams, and bizarrely, well, maybe it's not bizarrely, lots of Tyrrell Hattons. Tyrrell Hatton is a, a hell of a golfer who's got a major in him, there's no doubt about it. Uh, he's strong, he's incredibly strong. We heard from uh, Steve Hancock, the pro here, about what the, the rough is going to do to some of these golfers over there. You're going to have to be very powerful to get yourself out of trouble once you've got yourself into it. And I think Terrell Hatton is that kind of guy. The thing about Terrell Hatton, I think, that uh, prevents him from winning the tournaments that he does from time to time is temperament. Uh, he tends to um, want things to happen his way all the time. A lot of golfers are like that, and uh, they don't like to sit back. So I, I, I think Terrell Hatton is a gamble. Uh, I think he's a gamble. I'm not sure this major, the way the course is suited, uh, set up, is going to be suitable for him. Um, but I'm, I'm liking the Scheffler type approach. I think a cool head, a really cool head at times is going to be necessary. You're going to have to take your medicine. And you, you know the old adage, uh, Louis, in golf, you can't win uh, the tournament in the first round. You won't win it in the first two or three rounds. You'll win it in the last nine holes. All you have to do uh, is to be there and thereabouts, giving yourself that option at that time. So um, that's, that's, to me, the way I see it going. Uh, we'll take a, a slightly early break today uh, with uh, the 11.30 news. We'll have it a, a minute or two early because we've got quite a lot to still get through in the last half hour, and we're looking forward to that. 1476am in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. High 18, low 14. Catch low commentary of the Panthers taking on the Broncos in NRL action from 9 tonight on SENZ. Right, 11.30 here on SENZ and uh, the superstars keep coming in through the door, which is great. And uh, now joined uh, following on from uh, Ross Taylor, Martin Guptor. Now, uh, Martin Guptor was mentioned in Ross Taylor's starting lineup for the World Cup coming up because uh, he uh, stresses that World Cups need experience at the top of the order. We haven't got much, I think it's fair to say. And if uh, we go without Martin Guptor, we go with the top four who have uh, not played at that level. So... Uh, let's uh, talk to uh, Martin Guppy. Well, Guppy, uh, welcome in. First of all, how's the golf? Well, I played on Saturday, Smith, and it wasn't much to write home about, to be honest. So hopefully I've got it all out of the way, and I can have a few decent shots today. What's your handicap? Uh, blown out to a 14.8, which is what, quite nice. Where do you play? Uh, home club's Rimuera. Right. Uh, I played at North Shore on the weekend. Oh, North Shore. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty wet and uh, boggy, you know. I'm blaming the conditions. It's looking all right out here, but I think uh, it'll be a bit dewy in the rough, so you're going to hit it pretty straight today? I doubt it. Uh, maybe straight on to the next fairway, but um, I look, I'll, I'll give it a good go and try and hit it as, you know, as I do, try and hit it as far as I can. I suppose when you travel around the world, you play uh, quite a bit of golf in your downtime? Used to. Um, definitely used to, but um, I, I guess with in the last few years and, and lockdowns and all things like that, we the sort of the, I, 
the the sting of, of golf sort of that you know you never really took your clubs anymore um you're always stuck in a hotel sort of thing but i guess now um uh, I, I think the guys still take their clubs away a bit um to play a, a wee bit on tour right okay uh cricket wise um what has uh, martin got to up to last time we spoke to you on the phone you were uh trying to stitch together a few deals to play overseas uh roscoe your ex-teammate uh, flittering around the world to, to do a few things what about yourself at the moment yeah, we were coming up um, actually off this weekend to play in a, a tournament in the States, a, a small T20 tournament for a club over there I played for last year. So got a couple of those coming up and, and um, yeah, still looking for stuff later in the year. So what kind of standards is that? Uh, there's, there's guys in, in it that are very good. I mean, they've got a lot of West Indian guys come up from the Caribbean to play, yeah. um, which the standard then obviously comes up. I mean, they had uh, Shannon Gabriel play last year, Shafane Rutherford, um, guys who have played a little bit for the West Indies, um, even a few Aussies. Ben Dunk was there, um, Josh Layla was there, um, played a lot of big bash cricket and things like that. So got a few guys from England come as well. So, you know, the standard gets propped up from, um, you know, the overseas players, but some of the local guys, um, pretty good players as well, pretty unseen talent. So, um, looking forward to uh, next year. Next year, do you think it'll be a, a raging success? A T Twenty World Cup throughout America and the top of the West Indies. Hard to know. It's um, obviously they've, we've played a little bit of T Twenty cricket in Florida before. Um, it, it's honestly hard to know, to be honest, Smithy. Until you actually play there and, and actually get a few more games there, um, whether it takes off or not. And I guess with them Major League cricket starting up this year over uh, in the states, it's going to be you know that that is hopefully going to kick off and, and become something big, but only time will tell. Right, uh, last time we also asked you um, uh, if you'd had any contact at all with um, Gary Stead, New Zealand cricket or whatever, has there been any? Uh, a couple of messages here and there just to touch base and, and keep, uh, I guess, uh, in their thinking. Um, just, yeah, I've, I've been training a lot over the last couple of weeks and, you know, making sure I'm ready, um, you know, for the cricket that I have coming up. So, um, you know, I'm still rearing, rearing to go and I still want to play. Long term, um, what about um, how far ahead are you thinking? <laughs> at this stage not not too far just sort of what's coming up in the next little while so I'm still training um, as much as I can to to be ready to go if, if I ever get a call and, and to be to be fair for what cricket I have coming up as well I want to you know I want to score runs I want to contribute I want to you know be the best I can be Right okay um, we've seen a number of uh, players um, turn down contracts central contracts from their respective countries and we're here now um, as many as uh, six of the top line players from England perhaps uh, are looking in that direction as well. Is that the future? For everyone, I mean, not just yourself, is that the future? <laughs> well, it's um, everything that you hear, and I guess you've got more ears on the ground than what I do, but um, from everything that you know, has been heard, it, it, it's coming a lot sooner than what a lot of people think, I, I, um, I imagine. So it's, yeah, I mean, the, the face of cricket could be changing uh, quicker than we thought. Right, um, Ash is coming up. What's your pick? How do you think that'll go with, with the, the bad style of cricket? My... my my doubt is that um, England, uh, this will be the, the best attack, all-round attack, I think they've tried this style of cricket against. I have my doubts. Yeah, and as I guess only time will tell, won't it? And I, I know Stokes has come out and said that he wants some flat, good wickets um, to play an aggressive brand of cricket on, and you know, hopefully they get that. You know, that that's going to bring in the Australian bowlers as well, because they are probably the best exponents on flatter better wickets of extracting any sort of bounce I mean you know their bowlers are all six foot four plus mm. um, and they're consistent as well so they can get you know a lot more out of those wickets than, than many others can and with the Dukes but we know it can swing and if they can get that going and have that consistency with the bounce it's going to be a pretty good series and obviously the England batters love to use their feet come down and try and take that length away from the bowlers so 
it's going to be a great watch, whatever, whatever happens. There's also an interesting challenge for me in this, in that um, traditionally with the style of cricket that they want to play, they go the spinners. They have a real go at the spinners. I mean, they just don't like them settled. They're up against the, the goat and <laughs> Nathan Lyon. That is going to be an interesting contest when that eventuates. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Nathan Lyon's forged himself a pretty pretty good career, hasn't he, from, from where he started off. So, you know, he's a banker for... Um, for Pat Cummins to be able to tie down an end, go at two runs and over and try and, you know, hold that end while they attack with the quicks at the, at the other end. So with the batters coming at him, it could bring him more into the game, um, you know, create more risks and, and create more opportunities. But then also, you know, he could leak a few runs and then they have to bring back their, their big boys to um, earlier than what they wanted and, and they can get more tired, which brings in more scoring opportunities for the batters. But it's going to be a great watch, isn't it? Uh, just on a personal note, I, I mean, every time I turn the telly on, I see your wife hosting <laughs> some sort of form of sport. Um, does that mean um, you're a bit of a, a housebound dad at the moment? Yeah, well, a little bit. I'm, I'm loving it too. And, you know, Laura's, her career is really kicking off and she's doing really well. Um, super proud of her, what she's been able to accomplish this year. And, and you know, it's only going to get um, more for, from next year, hopefully. Yeah, I think so. She's great. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, just what Sky are looking for. Uh, great to catch up with you, Guppy. Um, I know you've got some socialising to do and some golfing to do. And we shall certainly see you upstairs in the 19th in a few hours' time. <laughs> looking all forward the, to it, Smitty. All the best today. Cheers, mate. Thank you Thank very you. much. Martin Guptill there uh, with us, folks. Um, and it's 11.37 here on SENZ, part of uh, a lot of celebrities playing in this tournament here. It's St Andrews of Hamilton. Uh, the weather's cleared. It's going to be a beautiful afternoon for golf. Very still, no, no excuses for those uh, taking part. And out the window, I can see one Cameron George, uh, CEO of the Warriors, standing by. Um, so we'll take a quick break and get uh, Cameron in here as well. Plenty of going on. And that recent announcement about... Um, Manavaravai, uh, very, very interesting. Uh, we'll uh, find out more about that shortly. SCNZ, it's Kiwi for Sport. Call anytime 0800 150 811. SCNZ, it's Kiwi for Sport. Call anytime 0800 150 811. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. That beautiful theme song that the Warriors have introduced for this, succe- uh, this season, and it's been such a successful omen for them. Uh, the season has gone really well to this point, but they're in a bye week, which means uh, we can talk to uh, the CEO, uh, Cameron George, about a few things uh, around the Warriors. But uh, what does a bye week mean for the players, first of all, Cameron, and for the CEO? Uh, mate, welcome, Smithy. It's great to be here with you, mate. Um, the bye week's uh, a really good freshen-up week. The boys played last Friday night. They've had four days off. They come back to training today and tomorrow, and then they have the weekend off. So um, it's a it's a quiet week, but it's a freshen-up week, and um, they'll blow some cobwebs out today, no doubt. 
and then they'll you know start the week normally next week from Monday onwards in preparation for the the Brisbane Broncos in Napier. Yeah, when do you hit Napier, and what's that about? Next Thursday, yeah. um, we're down there. Look, it's going to be a, a special occasion because. We really wanted to get down there and support uh, the region. They've been crying out for a game for a few years now, and to be home and be able to take a game there is great. And look, on the back of the unfortunate circumstances mm. that the region went through this year, hopefully us being there with the Brisbane Broncos put a smile on a lot of people's faces and give them a great event to go and attend, which uh, I think there's only about 500 tickets left, so it's, it's a it's an outstanding result. Oh, look, everyone in Hawke's Bay is talking about it. I can tell you that. Um, you know, the Warriors have had such a, a hell of a good run this year. I mean, you know, there were huge changes made to, towards the end of last year. You guys had to reassess things. If I said to you, uh, played 11, uh, you've got a bye week this week, another two guaranteed points, you're sitting inside the eight, I think you'd been pretty happy, chat. At yeah, the start of the season, very much so. Particularly um, the 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 effort base um, approach the team's undertaken this year. When we've had so much personnel out, uh, I think we've had you know five or six out in the last month of um, would have been in our starting seventeen. So mm. you know the impact that has on a on a on a team, regardless of what sport they play. So to have them slowly come back as we build into the back half of the year and get a freshen up this week. Um, I think really sets us up for a, a real good harvest period of going to get a lot of two points, and that's something that we're all uh, focused on. Well, what about uh, below uh, the Warriors itself? Uh, what about uh, the development process? Yeah, really starting to connect and fire up with that. Uh, Andrew McFadden's doing a great job with his staff. The, the New South Wales Cup team are sitting equal first and probably second now this week after last week's results of a draw, but they're really proceeding well. They've been taking a lot of local talent from our local game and fulfilling those spots where our players have had to go up and fulfil the, the injured spots in the NRL. So underneath is really starting to, to really flourish. And then next year we're looking forward to having a 17s, 19s, 21s mm. introduced as well. So um, we've got some great young kids signing up. There'll be some big announcements next week about some of the best kids in New Zealand staying home to play at the Warriors, which wow. is great. Look forward to that. Um, Cappy here with you today. Who's in your four? Yeah, we've got Cappy. Um, he was first in the car. Um, Matty Williamson, uh, former jockey and working for New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing, could get the day off. And um, we've got a special guest in Chanel Harris-DeVita. He, uh, he's back in town for a few weeks, so um, he called in the other day and I said, come and have a game of golf with us. So he's got long hair again and he's looking nice and relaxed and enjoying his time off. I was going to say, a lot of people are very interested to, to see where he's at and uh, what life is for him at the moment. Yeah, look, he's been in Thailand, he's been in Samoa for the last month. Um, he's been tripping around enjoying life and, uh, look, you never, never know what could happen in the future, but um, he's a great kid and um, I'm just glad, you know, he, he's really enjoying this time off, but... Hopefully the game will see him back sooner rather than later. I would imagine you've got a little bit of sympathy for the CEO of uh, the Dragons. Uh, they got rid of coach Anthony Griffin yesterday and of course um, you've been through all that kind of process and you wouldn't wish it on any CEO but that is the nature of the beast I guess. It is mate, it's tough going for any organisation. I feel for Ryan Webb and his organisation and someone asked me yesterday how do you do it. Um, in terms of making those decisions, there's no manual to it. You just got to, when you decide you, you, you need to go through that process, you got to do it very transparently and quickly. Um, as ruth, ruthless as that sounds, it saves a lot of ha heartache and headache for the, for the people involved, but it's never ideal, let me tell you. Right. Um, 
Yesterday, um, we learnt uh, that uh, Manu Vatavai, one of your favourite sons over the years, of course, uh, he's had his issues. They've been well and truly uh, documented, uh, Cameron. Um, has um, su successfully got um, uh, an early-ish parole and uh, no doubt uh, uh, the Warriors were brought in with the headline, etc. You've made a comment. Just uh, fill us in a, a wee bit on, on how that's going to play out. Yeah, look, it, it's really um, made some noise. Um, we're just trying to help out someone to become the best person he can be for himself and his family, and Manu's a, a legend of our footy club. Firstly, we do not condone in any way, shape or form the decisions he made, but he's been given parole, not because of us, but because of whatever reasons were measured by the parole board. We, as a footy club, um, believe we have uh, for, you know, platforms that you know we can use uh, Manu, Manu in to make better futures for young kids one else to make better decisions and he will come on board as a volunteer from time to time uh, when we deliver certain programs career wise and uh, positive choice programs throughout the communities of New Zealand to tell his story to make people understand there are huge ramifications in any decision He's had some bad decisions made in his life and he's wore the consequences of that. We don't want kids to go down that same path and we see uh, us helping Manu rehabilitate. Uh, he's got to lead it, he's got to own it. Um, but, you know, at the club, I think we can provide that platform from time to time on a volunteer basis. Uh, he's not working at the club, he's not engaged at the club. He won't be with the players, with the staff. He'll be just working in those programs from time to time. Wonderful news, I, I think, and terrific, um, and uh, terrific uh, honest reflection of how, how you're going to use him and, and what you think of his situation. Uh, Camo, I can look out the window and see all the fours are going to their tees, which means I guess I've got to let you go. I'm not sure what tea are you off? No, I'm not sure. It's warmer in here, though, mate. Yeah. And the esky's just there. I so. know. I mean, if you want your view blocked by anything, it's got to be the beer fridge, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right, mate. It's, but we'll get out and have a swing with these boys and get back in. It's a great cause, yeah. and we want to raise as much money as we can for for your region, Smithy, yeah. and it's something I know that you're, you're going to drive really hard today, so hopefully we can help with that. We are, and thanks to you, and uh, I'm telling you right here and now that uh, you're going to be so welcome when you get to Hawke's Bay next week. Uh, we can't wait to see you, mate. Yeah, awesome. Looking catch, forward to it. Thank you. upstairs at the thing they call the 19th. That's it. Cheers, man. Bye, mate. Uh, Cameron George here with us, folks, uh, CEO of New Zealand Warriors, uh, with some uh, wonderful news uh, around a couple of uh, players, or former players, too, of the Warriors. We shall be back uh, very shortly here on ECNZ to wrap things up. It's uh, 11.50.